India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone this is Rohit Srivastava recording for the 10th of July 2023 Markets have been really interesting they've been chugging along one way and that's something to be excited about if you're an investor trader most people enjoy the long side of the trade and the market has been giving you very very good opportunities to be on that side with simple trade setups anyone who's missed out essentially those who've been in disbelief that uh, this is a bull market or uh, that things can get better we'll get into that aspect and the macro part later uh, so that i don't really miss out on putting out the key points and observations as far as our own market is concerned and let's start with that so the nifty today was positive even though it sold off last week i mean it's nice to have these corrections but they are being very very short lived and uh, continuing sort of almost immediately as at least on the nifty bank nifty has managed to get slightly longish uh, consolidations at least time wise because even in the month of june it had a 3 week consolidation before it rallied uh, the nifty did not and similarly in the last 2 3 days i think bank nifty has had a 2 3 day kind of a pullback whereas nifty only dropped for one day that was on friday and today it's again started to show signs of improvement now you'll also find that you have significant gains coming in in the last few days from reliance industries it's been one of the stocks performing uh, with the movement in the indices uh, and after a long time because i think for more than a year it was in this downward falling channel and technically it has uh, broken out of that channel which is uh, closing above 2660 so 2660 is going to be a technical level that all the analysts are going to watch you know as a support or a resistance it was a resistance now that you are above it it's a support and how it reacts with that level is what will determine what happens forward from here so we don't really recommend anything this is my observation we are not investment advisors but uh, that's what reliance did so that was important and the other thing which moved a lot today was metals and that relates a lot with what is going on in macro the dollar bonds other things that i'll come back to but broadly speaking if the nifty is going to run up from here what we've seen time and again over the last couple of months is that rotation has managed to keep it going so if some sectors stop doing well they start pulling back something else starts doing well that's sort of the role that reliance also played in the last few days where you know uh, maybe banks were pulling back but reliance held up and so the nifty did not fall at all even when the mid caps were falling it did not so you'll have these kind of pullbacks uh, in fact you had a slight one in even the auto stocks i think uh, sometime in june but that also extended and there was also variation within how different auto stocks reacted some of them corrected harder back to the 40 day average some of them corrected less and did not even fall below the 20 day average so again a case of rotation one is in insider sector and then across sectors and that's how this is going to continue so i do feel somewhere it's been a long long lag uh you know that metals have not participated we saw some momentum today but we've seen a couple of these spikes before that fade and it'll be really interesting to see whether there's follow up action or not in the next couple of days so that will really tell us if you have one more sector that starts participating on in this market on the way up now uh, nifty by itself uh, did an important feat which is it uh, got past 19040 that is the level uh, that you get when you actually connect all the highs you know with a trend line that have been made since october 2001 so that 18600 then 18880 and if you connect those extend that line and it comes in at around 
19,040. So breaking past that level and then staying above it is a very, very important uh, technical feat because uh, some people have been trying to market as an ending pattern, you know, over two years that, oh, this is a big mega top and I've disagreed. And I think the breakout sort of proves that view is not right. Uh, the uh, bearish view that is it's not this is not a bearish setup this was a long consolidation between october of uh, 21 and march of 23 18 months long and that consolidation phase is over and we've started a completely new impulse that remains my view strongly firm and i've been reiterating reiterating it everywhere you've probably read a couple of my money control articles talking about different major levels to be achieved in two to three years for the market so i'm looking at this as a new bull run in the immediate effect, uh, there was another one uh, published today which talks about getting to 20,000 by sometime in August. Now, no, you really don't expect time and price to happen together. But, uh, you know, media questions are often time price based. So, you try to make a guesstimate. Uh, I do think you get to 20k. Uh, will it be in July? Will it be in August? Can it take a little longer or can it happen faster is something that we don't always know. So, time is always a question. Direction is what we try to gauge and then we try to check which are the sectors that will you know play the most important role in getting us there look for outperformance relative change changes in performance cycles where you know performance shifts from one to the other and try to manage your portfolio at its best that is sort of what we can do and a lot of the tools that you are getting in strike are the ones that we actually have been teaching people in the mentorship programs many of the sentiment indicators were really not available anywhere and uh, I had to actually put them together, which was the initial objective. And that has led to the development of an entire platform where you can use all the tools and much more uh, to take your own decisions. We can only teach you how to do it best. Uh, but eventually now you have the power in your hands of data and information. So that is, I think, a big feat uh, that we are really achieving for everybody. So if you haven't gotten there yet, just go to web.strike.money. Even better, you want to see the dashboard, just do a forward slash dashboard. It will show, show you the main board, but not all the tools. For that, you will need to click on the buttons on the left, which will ask you to create a login, which is 50 days of you know free trial. So it's a long period that you really get to utilize it. So get there and get started because this is not a market you want to miss out on. There are a lot of opportunities happening, stock specific, sector specific. That rotation, you will really be able to gauge by using some of the tools there and also some of the tools that we are going to be adding in the coming months, which is not just seasonality, but also uh, sector rotation. So uh, crazy stuff, but that's how you have to make the best of markets or get the best of returns. Now, uh, you've also seen the pharma sector pick up and, you know, FMCG is doing well. And so those are, those are sectors, you know, see in a broad bull market, almost every sector is going to do well. It's not that, you know, one does well and the other does not. But then what ends up happening is uh, when it comes to these two particular sectors, I've repeated this many times and should do so again. They go up, but it's possible that they give you relative underperformance. And, and this is just my guess based on the idea that for 10 years in the 1990s, these sectors underperformed, um, uh, outperformed. Okay, uh, then the ten years from in the uh, 2000s they underperformed, and then the ten years uh, 2010 to 2020 they again outperformed. So there's been been this ten-year performance, outperformance, underperformance cycle, which has been driven by whether your growth is in core sectors or growth has been taking place in, uh, you know, non-core, and it's just in defensive sectors. And so we again gone back to core because you can see 
uh, on a three year basis you have performance in every sector whether it's metals whether it's capital goods whether it's power and now you have reality picking up and so when you have this broad based bull run then defensive sectors take a slight back seat now remember defensive doesn't mean value so i had a question i think in the spaces or somewhere uh, last week that you know uh, what do you think of value stocks you know will they take a back seat now that growth is taking over i said what if value stocks become growth which is sort of what tends to happen i mean you can go back to the 1990s company like lic housing uh, was you know at a, a dividend yield of almost uh, 10 12% and a p ratio of 2.3 value yes earnings were growing 35% per annum did anybody care no till 2001 nobody cared about the stock so it remained value and even though it was growth and then all of a sudden growth started to get priced in the stock became a multi bagger and so this is what tends to happen so if you think that you know psu stocks are value and now because growth is going up psu stocks will not rise that's a wrong approach because what if they shift from growth value to growth and then their performance will change completely and i would think in an economic upturn which is what we are seeing where cyclicals start performing and a lot of the cyclicals are actually psu stocks they you are there in metals they are there in uh, you know capital goods construction all kinds of businesses you know so many which are core oil and gas and so therefore you cannot really uh, you know have uh, you know value stocks underperform depending on what category you put them in so i put the i think the defensive and growth is the bigger player where defensive underperforms growth that you can definitely say but that doesn't mean they go down so again up doesn't mean down i mean up just means something goes up more and something goes up less and that is why it's a bull market so position accordingly get your fix these are just some of my sector biases uh but there may be a lot more i think the best sectors that have really done well continue to do well which is you know on top of the list will probably be capital goods defense which have really performed very well uh, in the last year and the reasons exist others will also but kick in uh, we did have metals do really well in 01 we've had a long pause but it's coming to a point where uh, we should see that sector perform all over again and that's something that i'm really waiting to see happen so this is my overall uh, you know judgment call on what is really Uh, going on with the nifty i don't see it dropping more than 200 300 points and that's also lucky i mean this week we thought of that possibility i don't think we lost more than 150 points on friday and so uh, if you get 2 300 points it looks like wow if you don't get even that much well this is what you got uh, this that's what we call an extended move you know in elliot wave there's something known as uh, an impulse which is a five wave move in a particular direction uh, and then after that you expect a pull back in abc Uh, but in real market some things can have variations and one of the variations is an extension that is a five waves extends because the third wave subdivides into five waves and so that really results in five becoming nine and so when you go from five to nine you get a market that just keeps gyrating higher after small pullbacks and that's essentially what we are beginning to see in uh, all the indices in, in india in fact the early signs of that happening were already there in the nifty 500 and midcap indices so we sort of preempted that this is what is going to happen the only thing we were watching out for in june is whether 18700 when it dipped back to that level would break or not because that then would have changed that narrative of the extension uh, but it didn't and then from there on it's like now all indices have confirmed that they are they are in extension so basically that means what i said small pullbacks and continue to new highs is a pattern that is going to continue for quite a while and i think for most of july because uh, as i mentioned in a couple of spaces strike software allows you to look at the seasonality of you know any of the markets and one of the seasonal factors we've figured is that uh, you know july seasonally tends to be a very good month you know most of the months uh, most of the years you can take the fast past 10 years you'll find july is always a positive month so it has a very high track record uh, for being the best month of the year 
and that's just history of course history is supposed to repeat but it can always vary uh, but having said that it does allow us to have some kind of judgment when you're looking at your analysis uh, on the market itself and it tells you something the seasonality just supports that analysis you know you cannot make your analysis based on seasonality you can use seasonality as a supporting power uh, that i think is uh, pretty much visible the second one that i've been highlighting is the it sector which also has a very high july seasonality so let's see if that happens and the reason is that uh, you know in the first quarter of uh, any financial year there's a tendency for it stocks to uh, overshoot on their uh, you know earnings and numbers for some reason they they tend to report better numbers in the first quarter by booking more gains or whatever it is that is just history and that history is based on what i've heard other analysts say i've really not looked at the numbers myself but i'm just reflecting on what other what other analysts say as to why this happens every year that the it sector ends up performing well in the first quarter so these these are observations to keep in mind as far as sectors are concerned but overall remain in a bull market continue to ride it and i think it will continue for the rest of the year but having said that now i'm sure by now all the people who are seeing this guys just reiterating bull market bull market bull market doesn't know that bond yields are rising in the us and the world is going to fall apart so i think it's time to really reflect on that macro aspect of uh, you know this whole story and one interesting factor that a lot of people should have noticed on friday is that even as bond yields continued to rise suddenly on friday the dollar gave up this is something we were anticipating for a while especially because the usd jpy got very very extended it became overbought it i mean for example the sentiment readings were down to around uh, 7% at one point of time which means only 7% of the people were bearish on the usd jpy and rest of them were bullish so when you get that kind of extreme sentiment i tend to take a contrarian stance that you know possibly this is going to reverse and the other one was usd cny so i think the yuan and the yen these are the two that were pushing up the dollar but the yen i think in particular uh, needed to set that stage and it did uh, the yuan itself uh, has had a tough time china's actually had to hold back on its stimulus i mean they've not stimulated a second time which they would have loved to simply because the yuan keeps devaluing you know so they had to cut rates they did so this month and that further pushed it up but somewhere they're going to have to take a back foot and wait for uh, the usd cny to cool off because it's pretty much been one way so these two currency pairs easing puts downward pressure on the dollar the one that has been leading the other way on the dollar bearish theory has actually been the british pound it's been strengthening against the dollar well in advance showing that you know this is a dollar bear market so i've been taking that as my cue that no this is not bull run this is just a counter trend bounce on the dollar and the key currency pair that was signaling that for months or weeks has been the usd gbp so these currency pairs, so the sell off basically the sell off we saw in the dollar on friday sort of doesn't confirm with what the bond market is saying you know because if you had the dollar and bond market both rising together that is the bond yields rising along with the rising dollar then that would be a risk off environment which means markets are scared which was what it was looking like say monday tuesday wednesday but a big drop on friday sort of negated that and puts us in a different basket altogether so it sort of you know pushes you back there's an engulfing bear candle in fact on the weekly charts of the dollar index which supports again the bearish case i'll probably write a lot more about that in the long shot report that should come up during this week but having you know gone over that uh, there's another thing to think about why would all this be really happening so people were scared right after the debt ceiling was raised that you know the us government has to borrow more that will drive yields up 
and the Fed will not be able to support it. But well, at least this far, what the Fed has done is they've used the reverse repo accounts to refill the TG account. And so therefore, reserves have not come down because of that. So once again, they found a way to fill it. And if you've heard my previous podcast, that's what I was saying, that everybody's presuming the Fed can't do anything. Well, there's a lot they can do if they want to really manage the situation. And they've done that once more. They bought another two months. And after two months, they'll again worry about it. And they'll probably find some other way to deal with it. What is clear since November of last year is that uh, global liquidity, or at least US liquidity, has been rising from time to time. Yes, they have been declined sometimes, but then again, they rise a little more. And though, so in general, what that has meant is that liquidity is not really tightening at a sizable degree as what the you know equity bears would really have liked. And that has pushed equity bears in the US to cover their shorts by more than 50%. Remember, it had reached 4,40,000 contracts, an all-time high. Now it is down to around 2,6,000 or 2,4,000 contracts. So that's less than half. A lot of it got covered after the debt ceiling uh, got you know, raised and that, those announcements. And after that, a lot of shots got pulled out in the rally that followed. And still, it's not completely done with because you still have a lot of shots sitting on the S&P 500. And as this bond market continues to decline and push up yields, I'm sure some people are just itching to put those shots right back on the table. But the dollar is not confirming. So you have this whole complex scenario. And so I spent some time listening to a couple of, you know, uh, YouTube videos and podcasts trying to understand different opinions of hedge fund managers and advisors who, ma- who advise hedge funds in terms of what is really happening here on the inflation front, on the interest rate front. And uh, let me reflect on some of those things and some of the thoughts. You know, we, uh, one of the reasons what explains the dollar's movement on Friday, apart from whatever intervention may have happened or not happened, is that, you know, you're reaching a point where if you push up bond yields beyond this 5% level, okay, 5, 5.5, whatever it is, then the funding requirements of the US government reach a point where it's, you know, impossible to manage. And that simply means that the Fed has to print all the interest payments. And that is indirectly a dollar weakening environment. So we've reached the inflection point where a falling bond market is actually bearish the dollar and not bullish the dollar. So instead of being risk off, it results in a lot of money being created uh, because the Fed has to either step in and buy those bonds so that the interest rates don't go up or it has to finance the interest at those higher interest rates. So it's in a soup of kinds. Uh, They can't really do much even though they are banging the table that they will raise rates, which I think if you ask me my opinion, that is only language. You know, uh, people forget, and I was saying this in December and Jan also, that central banks manage by language. The central bank admitted it in its uh, February meeting, uh, FOMC meeting, uh, when, when it actually uh, was talking to the press. And I highlighted it in my subsequent podcasts. You can go back and check what they did then. He actually said that, you know, we have to get our you know language right and the market has to listen to what we say. It's not just what we do. And so that is the main point here also that uh, they need to tell the market that we want to be tight so that it remains tight. You know, it doesn't mean that they'll actually tighten because, uh, like I mentioned, they don't have the room to do so. If they do so, further tightening here hurts the dollar. Now, from here on, it doesn't strengthen the dollar, it weakens the dollar because they would have to print all the interest. And if they don't print the interest, the other alternate to keep the bond market from crashing is to actually start buying bonds or do some kind of yield curve control. So a couple of tough decisions that lie ahead from them. But they will try to buy time. Just like I said, they bought two months more with this TGA, RRF, uh, you know, refill and RRP refill. And so if they do those kind of things, they can keep buying time as far as they can before they take a decision on whether they need to do any yield curve control or come up with a policy where they want to keep interest rates 
you know uh, sorry inflation rates in a particular range rather than a 2% goal they could say 2% plus or minus 1% that's like that will slightly widen the definition of inflation where they will start easing uh, that's something that uh, uh, mamad alerian actually mentioned in the in his interview in i think it was the business line uh, where he was actually explaining that you know these are different ways that they can deal with it because markets don't want to hear that you suddenly changed your inflation expectations but they can expand the range you know that's a that's an approach that the rbi has already taken if you hear the rbi their inflation target is x plus or minus so and so so they have a range in which they are comfortable even though they have a target level and that's a different way of you know managing fear so moment that fear eases the rbi backs off and says well we are good and but we are still monitoring we have not pivoted but we have stopped <laughs> you know so that's another approach that uh, the fed also can take at some point of time the other impact uh, that higher rates would have would be directly on the us banking system now remember they have backstopped the banks which means the fed will provide all the liquidity re- required for their deposits but does that mean that, that means that they are going to let rates go up and let the banks just uh, default on on the fed you know or simply ask the fed for a line of credit uh, you know innumerably uh, because of the higher rates that's another trick trick uh, uh, to really be in now to some extent they wouldn't mind wherever there's a structural problem but do they want it to be an across country problem the answer is again no so to what extent do they want to allow rates to rise so this again questions their thesis of you know wanting to raise rates so i like i said i think it's language uh, because uh, it doesn't really fit uh, their requirements to allow this to happen but they don't have a choice but to talk about it just to keep inflation expectations down and i think that's the game that they are really playing now wage inflation itself has been one of the other tricky parts because you've had a tight labor market uh, wage inflation is one of the reasons why probably the inflation rate has been sticky and not fallen that fast that's one of the things that i heard but some people are anticipating that eventually ai will be the one that will bring down that wage inflation as you know increasingly labor is not needed for certain tasks but these things happen slowly i don't know how fast you can say that you know ai is replacing jobs it's a nice thought but new jobs also get created in the process in different segments sometimes services which has been another sticky area where they are still demanding uh, workers and so this is a nice trend to think about but it's not something that may immediately happen another expectation is that well inflation rates may come down right now but eventually will pick up because growth is high now that makes sense because us growth has been significantly high keeping that liquidity is constant you continue to see spending there's a lot of savings from the past uh, and then there's the wage inflation right all of that filters into services growth uh, where they are spending all the money and where you're getting the inflation right and so uh, that doesn't stop and if that doesn't stop then what happens right so uh, that can itself uh, you know kick in later if growth remains strong inflation rates can drop and then pick up again but will they really pick up to the same degree i mean people talk about it as if the inflation rate will go to 0 and go back to 10 but it might not it might just drop to 2 and then go back to 4 and then stay there which is very different from being at 678% you know so uh, uh, that will require a very very different approach of the central banks they would be able to bring down rates but we probably keep interest rates the real rates positive for a while so we don't know that end game what we do know is that as long as you buy time which means even if you buy a few months and I, and i've already seen recession forecast get pushed back all the way into jan of 2024 it means that if you have time 2 months or 6 months until then nothing bad is going to happen then Uh, especially when it comes to emerging markets a lot of good can happen because as long as there's no us crisis emerging markets do really well and that is exactly what happened between 2003 and 2008 so they say history repeats uh, you know rhymes but doesn't repeat exactly so 
uh, that's what has happened right now uh, is that history is repeat uh, rhyming it's not repeating exactly it's rhyming with the 2003 2008 bull market in so many ways uh, you have the cyclicals kicking in the core sector starting to grow and do well emerging markets starting to perform in that phase the emerging markets did much better than the us because us was stuck with its debt problem post y2k uh, then they tried to cut rates created a housing bubble and then they cracked crapped again but between the housing bubble and the y2k bottom was these 6 7 years in which emerging markets and especially india went up six times you know so you have a window where nothing happens nothing bad happens and ems end up doing very well you are waiting for that dollar signal so this is why it was important the dollar fall on friday that uh, once you start another leg down like the one we had from say september to you know feb uh, last year and after that has been bouncing back when these uh, you know rounds happen then a lot of money will get allocated towards emerging markets asia and india is a great ben- beneficiary of that emerging market trade even though last year i think uh, we didn't get all the benefits we rallied into december and then we sold off uh, but now we are in a better position because we are done with that 18 month consolidation and any uh, you know bearish trend in the dollar as we saw positive trend today in the metals which sig- signals the reflation trade coming back money getting allocated out of you know global assets into ems and specifically india would end up being a very very good signal i think you probably want to watch the rupee it's made its fifth attempt to cross 83 and failed again at least at least last two days it didn't cross that the way it went up it look like this time it's done but again it stopped let's see whether it can really get past that because at the bottom end if it goes below 82 or 81 80 i think the bearish trend for the usd inr would also have started and so that would support again equities because as in when the rupee is strong it's a signal of you know equity is doing really well so so many factors which are uh, close to become going from being favorable to being super favorable and in that environment you cannot be on the opposite side of the trade too many people are betting on uh, or worrying too much about what what is happening globally but there are a lot of people who started to probably participate in a way in this market but i tell you i've still had pe- calls of people who are shorting or having shorted and negative uh, on this market at different points of time in small degrees or big degrees and then getting stuck that is the action which is still going on as far as indian equities are concerned and if you look at the sentiment and positioning well there are some factors that can you know work around a short term uh, consolidation because you know we always look at sentiment in the context of elliot waves and so i have already given the wave structure thesis that we are extending when that happens we don't want to pay too much attention to the sentiment data points if they reach too high like for example fi's have 90000 contracts long that can lead to a short term pullback but it doesn't really necessarily mean that you get a major trend reversal so that's all for you today I, i'm sure i've left lots of food for thought there's probably a lot more we can go into in fact there's one last topic i had noted down for this podcast which was actually around oil because something i heard around oil which can be a source of some future crisis is that oil supply will actually tighten in the next 6 months which can actually push push oil prices higher and i've been waiting for that last dip which is a maybe maybe not i don't know whether it'll touch 65 dollars on brent or and then go up or go up from here itself but there is this supply shock which comes mostly from the fracking industry because the there's something known as the decline rate for us fracking a story i've been hearing for 5 6 years but i'm hearing some funds say that the reductions will be quite significant in the next 6 months if that turns out to be true there will be significant supply shortages for oil and that is going to push up oil prices so that could become a reason of concern again it all depends on how fast these prices move because if you have a slow advance in oil prices uh, it gets managed just like it got managed between 03 and 08 oil went from 
you know, eight dollars in 1998 to 135 dollars in 2008. Was there a crisis? The answer is no. So speed is also an issue here, but definitely the signal is, uh, you know, to going towards a tightening oil market. So I think that's the last part for today's podcast, and I'm done with the thoughts I penned down to talk about. See you all next time. Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.